from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to the GoodAtheist.net bonus podcast. My name is Jacob Horta. And I'm Drunk Ryan Harkness. And you know what? Welcome to the new format of the bonus show. Because as I mentioned, if you listened to episode 100, and I sincerely hope you did if you Jake, listening Jake, to the show. Jake's raising the bar. I'm raising the fucking bar. I'm just going to get this done. We're going to go forward... Uh, apparently, next show, uh, the free show, I'm actually supposed to interview the guy, uh, the, 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 the main guy behind the Atheist Conference uh, happening in Montreal. They were just like, do you want to do an interview? And I was like, sure. That would be, that's, that sounds awesome. And, and here's what's cool, too. I'm going to be putting a link to this a little bit later on this week. Uh, if, you wanted, if you basically want to go to the Montreal Atheist Conference... And I'm going to put a link on the site, and if you go on the link and you become a member, you're actually going to give us money. That's what's crazy about it. It's like an affiliate program oh, I see. for atheist conferences. Nice. We're yeah, to do it. Uh, figure this. Remember, Montreal, even if you're in the States, Montreal isn't that far away. If you're in, like, New York, Maine, Vermont, New no, it's Seriously, I think actually this uh, this... Montreal Conference is actually going to be pretty wicked. And in general, like we've done in the ultimate fighting scene of which I am... Uh, the god there. He I is am, the god. I am a guy. Perhaps not a god, <laughs> but a guy. I won't be a god until I manage to get sex out of that scene. That's I have to admit I that it. I've already done this. You have not. I feel sad for you. Uh, you know what? I got a lot of sex out of my old rave scene, so I don't. I don't feel. You like got a transition, it. man. That's Dude, the whole point of you, doing you this. Gotta, you got to understand. Since I, since I went to the MMA scene, I've been broke. Once I've been. I, I've I, been I was reading a very interesting article about art. No. And uh, the preposition was that art is produced primarily to get people laid. And why do anything else? Why build buildings? Why fucking conquer the world? Why? Because you're trying to get laid. Everything, uh, honestly, you can boil everything down to I want to get laid. That, I mean, we are the, your thesis. Duh. Holy shit, I'm an ape. Yeah, yeah, we're monkeys. We want to. We want our to get our little monkey dicks, whatever. The wedded, monkeys, whatever. Wedded. I think wedded is probably wedded. the most broad. I'm not, disgusting term that you can use. Yeah, wedded. I'm, not, I'm not too sure about about simian lubrications, but <laughs> whatever whatever the case is, they they want to put their thing inside how of the monkeys. How are and, you not sure about that? Well, do you I, think I, it's I, different? I do. No. I'm sure there are different there are different lubrication levels for just human females. There must be different lubrication levels for different animals. Now I'm just. Disgusted. Do you think a porcupine has the same level of lubrication I that think we do? He, I think a porcupine gets pretty freaky. It's pretty wet. Did you see the video on the internet of the porcupine being cuddled and tickled? I by did. It? it was weird. It was like a dog porcupine. It was so cute. It was adorable. I, my favorite comment on that video was one person saying like, oh, it just goes to show you what kind of bond that uh, human beings can create with animals. And I think it's just actually, you're looking at it upside down. It's how much animals can form bonds with other animals. Exactly. Because I was looking at it and I was saying, what is the difference between a porcupine and a dog other than the fact that... We give a shit about dogs. <laughs> we don't care about porcupines. We don't think about it. We're just like porcupines. Kill it. Kill I read. That. Oh, I ran over a porcupine. No biggie. Yeah, kill that damn porcupine. Dog kills a porcupine. We're like, who gives a crap? See a dog on the side of the highway. Oh, see a deer. Yeah. Who cares? It's true. We're e- even, monsters. Even deer. Even deer. Which which got the Bambi movie. 
So what are we? Here's what we're going to be talking about on this podcast, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen. The first thing that we're going to be talking about is, oh, you're going to love this. I was visited this weekend by a bunch of Jehovah Witnesses, and we're going to be talking about that experience. Awesome. We're also going to be having a little segment, another interview with God, which we've asked fans of the show to ask some questions for our big interview with God. Mm-hmm. And we're also we're going to be talking very briefly about uh, some an atheist that was killed in the Maldives. And we'll be talking a little bit on a tangent about Infidel, because Ryan just finished reading it. Yeah, Ian Hershey Ali wrote a book called Infidel, and uh, I, I, I have read And he's it. got some thoughts. I don't really have any thoughts. I just read she it. She had your I, mouth. I, you I have wanna, thoughts. I, I want to I rage against the Islam machine, because let me tell you what. <laughs> you, you, you remember all, anybody that's listened to a bunch of shows, and I'm sure you have because this is the bonus show, you understand my whole... Uh, my opinion that you always have to be careful about your opinions on Islam to make sure that they don't go from informed atheists stating a, a factual opinion about the religion to raging racist who's ignorant. Uh, so we'll talk about that because all of a sudden I feel like a raging race, a racist for how I feel after reading this book just because once you really boil it down, you're like, Islam sucks! Well, I'll be telling you later why that isn't racist. But first, let's talk about those Jehovah Witnesses okay. that came to the door. Now, for those of you that have been long-term listeners, you remember this, that I had a visit a couple months ago from two Jehovah Witness ladies that came over to the house, and they're like, we want to talk to you about God. And I cannot say no. I cannot say no to that. I have never said no to any person that has ever said, I want to tell you about my God. I'm just sad. Let me tell you what. Walking back and forth from uh, the subway station uh, near our place, we always see Mormons. We always, like, like there are Mormons all over Montreal crawling. You know, there are always those, always young males dressed in the white shirts. Well, yeah, well, that's actually part of their whole pilgrimage. They have to go over. They have to uh, go to a foreign country proselytize their religion that's a big part of it but we've never got mormons i actually did you got mormons i did it was about uh two years ago i think i mentioned it briefly but i'm not sure i was actually walking i think i was late for a date so uh they were trying to talk to me about it and i said i gotta walk really fast so let's walk and talk Mm. but unfortunately they kind of gave up after some of the they weren't they were let's say faith they were not prepared for me, they they write their 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 only their goal is conversion. They don't really care. If all of a sudden you're like you're an atheist that just wants to talk shop, they'll fuck off. <laughs> they will fuck off. But these Jehovahs are impressive because they they came, they talked, and they came back. They came back, and the whole thing about them coming back was that one of them said that she was going to bring her husband. And, uh, you know, usually when that happens, you realize, okay, well, this is probably the guy that's a bit more familiar with the Bible, because I was asking them questions, some very basic questions. I mean, you guys know some of my favorite stories I like to bring up. Uh, Onan is probably one of my favorite ones. He's the guy that doesn't, uh, you know, come inside of his deceased brother's wife and is killed by God. There's only like two people in the Bible that are killed directly by God, and Onan is one of them. I just love that story because it's the only time we get to talk about the Bible and coming. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you actually read the Songs of Solomon, or there, there are multiple passages within the Bible that talk about issues. If you ever read a part and says that they had issues, that is actually a Bible talk for semen. Mm-hmm. When they say that Egyptians had the uh, members of donkeys and the issues of horses... 
Uh, I don't think you really have to go that far to realize what imagery they're talking about here. I wouldn't recommend any child reading this level of smut. There's some fucking smut right there. Yeah, the books of Solomon. I, I never really understood. The songs of Solomon, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand how they got in there. It's some sexy stories. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Well, you don't understand. Let me tell you what. When you're uh, compiling a holy book, you want you know, some pizzazz. A erotic <laughs> interlude. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they weren't celibate back then, so yeah. Mm. Let it hang loose. So they come over to the house. So it's the husband and wife team. I was really looking forward to them. In fact, you had a friend over uh, who, uh, him and his, this other dude from Ottawa were actually in our living room, and some Jehovah Witnesses had come by, and they turned them away, not knowing that I had specific instructions that any religious proselytizer that comes to this fucking house, I will wake up, I will fucking take whatever coffee that I need, and I will talk to them. I will never ever fucking turn down an opportunity you gotta understand when these people got there jake had just gotten up he smelled like a homeless man from the pits and from the mouth that's my mornings (laughs) you gotta understand we got no air conditioning here i know it's horrible (laughs) so when you smell you really smell you do so he, he even in this state he was like come on in and talk to me yeah absolutely i was i was and you know what here's the thing I feel, I feel, I feel to some degree that you really should have paid more attention to the conversation that was going on. Now I know at the time you're like, "Oh, it's not really my thing," and I'm like, uh, "You're a co-host on an atheist podcast. This is your job. Pay fucking attention." Mm-hmm. You should have paid attention. There was a lot going. On. It was a two-hour you know, conversation with these people. I think you should have really listened to not what I was saying because it didn't matter. You already know what I say. You should have been listening to what they were saying because there's some of the things, and we're going to be talking about this throughout the show, that I think you would have flipped out about. You would have just loved hearing this shit. It's, it's possible, but you got to understand that my atheism is much less confrontorial than yours. I mean, I am, I am more a person who, in my mind, understands that religion is bullshit, and I enjoy cultivating that and understanding more about how it is bullshit. But I don't care what other people think. I don't care how they attack it. I mean, I I came back from Tennessee with a whole bunch of books on Scientology and, and different American religions. Books written by L. Ron Hubbard to convert people to Scientology just because I wanted to understand their pitch. But the human So element, why didn't you listen to the pitch of the because, people that because tried to convert you know, me? Truth, truth be told, it, uh, it's uncomfortable with, with the human element involved. I don't... Because I obviously think it's bullshit. I don't feel I hate the idea of sitting down with people and basically explaining to you to them. I think you're stupid, and I think that. But you I've never, spending all this time. I've never out with said these... anything to that matter. You know, I, I, I was I confrontational any time you really listened to. I was not listening. Okay, well that's fair enough. Exactly. We recorded some of it. I would love to play play you that, but unfortunately I will not. Uh, just did, because did. I did not have their consent to play it. I don't want to play within that weird, nebulous legal zone. So Legal and moral. Legal and moral zone. But you know what? Next time actually they come by, I'm going to ask them if they really want to have... Maybe we can have a radio show with them. I would really Phone love to... the Jehovah's Witness and see if we can have a talk. Well, look, you have to understand, by the time they left, they had promised to come back and do more research because I had asked them some questions that they were not able to answer. But at the same time, there were a few things that they brought up where it... It, it challenged me, not in terms of saying like, oh, I didn't know this, but it challenged me in terms of, like, for instance, when we were first talking, I made the incorrect assumption that they use the King James Version of the Bible, which they do not. So when I was using particular quotes, I did not realize that the version that they had 
uh, did not have those same versions. So when I was talking about they had the New World Translation, which is the Bible specifically that Jehovah Witnesses use. And this version is slightly different than the King James Version. So the parts that I was mentioning they didn't have right they had another translation so when when you're talking to someone about the bible and you start to indict them on it and all of a sudden they're like oh you don't really know the bible because you had a wrong quote and and i can't tell you how many times it must have come up two or three times where i was just talking about specific stories and as soon as i got it one little tiny thing wrong because he had a different translation he was like oh well you see you've never read the bible which is a weird thing to say considering like, oh yeah, what, what about all those questions that you couldn't answer, but I didn't read the Bible? Or what about the questions of why do you have one Bible and everybody else has another? Well, I, we had a very lengthy discussion actually about translated versions. But before we get into that, um, the great thing about the, 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 the husband who came over, and this is what I was hoping, was that his he had a much... Uh, you know, deeper understanding of the Bible. He had studied it more. This is why she wanted to bring her husband because she figured, oh, well, this guy's read a bit of it. Maybe he's, he's maybe like I was more like the wife in that I read things and then fuck it, it just goes into the ether. The ether. <laughs> exactly. It just disappears. I'm like, it's oh, I gone. read it. I know it kind of, but if you, if you put me, sit me down and try and talk about it, I don't, you wouldn't even believe that I read the damn thing. <laughs> While you, encyclopedia of a man that you are, uh, uh, encyclopedia wrongica <laughs> but encyclopedia nevertheless uh, well here's here's the uh, here's the part that i thought was just absolutely fantastic every time somebody comes over and they have a bit of a deeper understanding i relish the opportunity for them to try to challenge me on on some things that i may not know or uh just provide to me the their view i mean when they sat down i was honest with them i said listen I'm the type of person that really kind of wants to question his belief and question his assumptions. And if you come in here and you have a discussion with me, I want you to be in that same position. So I'm going to challenge you, you know, like if you're cool with that, then we're good. We can have a conversation if you're willing to say, well, some of the assumptions that I've made may be wrong. Now, obviously, unfortunately, they may say yes, but there's, they, they don't really mean it. They, they, they don't want to question the assumption they had. And I can tell you, the first assumption is I asked him quite simply. They gave me a little book. Remember that little book that uh, I think it's... Uh, where, where is it? It's sitting right on the shelf over there. It's okay, called it, Creator. Okay. Well, basically, this is the, this is the thing they pr- purposefully brought to me, which is supposedly, supposedly a list of arguments of why there is a creator rather than nothing. And you read some of it. I, I, I showed you some elements where oh, they were saying, it, look at the human immune system. What other than a loving God would make an immune system so smart against human viruses? I'm like, are you, is this the same immune system that causes people to have a rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid arthritis or allergies? Truth, truth be told, if you, if you drag it down to its most basic form, it's you remember that uh, that insane clown posse song, uh, Miracles? Yeah. Sort of like, rainbows, like, where the fuck do they come you know, from? Fucking awesome. Miracles. Woo! <laughs> it's like uh, immune system. Miracle. Bam! Woo! Why would that ever come about that, other than if it was like a loving the, God? Bullzamo! Through the entire thing. That's literally how it is. Every, every single example is just like, woo! 
Miracle I, God exists. <laughs> Boom, it was also it was also great how they just kind of snuck things in. They were like, Einstein believed this. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with apparently proving a creator? But that's not the point. So yeah. they brought me this specific book because they probably figured, oh, here's a person who's educated. And this will appeal to them because they know some things about science. And we're going to just tie in science. They're going to be like, wow, I should be a Jehovah Witness and not accept blood transfusions for some fucking reason. But beyond that, okay, the, the first, my, my, my challenge to him was saying, when he sat down, because it was basically he, him doing all the talking with his wife, being very silent, and, you know, what I hoped was doing a lot of listening. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I was saying, well, what do you think is the biggest proof that there is a God? This is my, this is my first, like, this is the sales pitch that I want to hear from anybody that sits down on my couch and tells me, I have a story for you. I'm like, well, what is the biggest proof that you have? So his biggest proof was saying, well, the Bible is awesome. He was saying it's the most scientifically and historically accurate text ever and ever conceived. And you know what? I'll be honest. I didn't even try to debate him on that because if a person tells you that, you really can't have a conversation about how insanely wrong. wrong they are wrong 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 and yeah i could have i could have started by saying well can you explain to me why there are two genesis accounts and why the accounts of genesis in terms of the creation of the earth don't intercede with what we know about the beginning of the universe like when god separates the waters from uh you know the rest of the waters through the firmament uh, or when he basically where light appears before there's the sun and you're yeah, like, mm, we, that doesn't sound very scientific, does it? Scientifically, we've we've blown so many holes. Like the Bible is barely Swiss cheese at best. No, it's 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 basically there. It's kind of like you know your 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 grandpa's really used underwear, like Ooh. times ten. I don't even understand how you vi- saw your grandfather's. Used he was underwear. a three hundred fifty pound fat piece of shit that basically bought underwear in the nineteen seventies. Mm. And that's it. Mm. Yuck. Mm. Yuck. Tidy whities they're now brownie wownies. Mm. Lucy brownies is what they were. Indeed. Yuckaroo. Anyways, but I, it, one of the things that I was trying to do is I was trying to think to myself, what are some arguments that I can bring forward that can challenge their assumptions? And, and this, is, this is my challenge. Every time somebody sits down, my challenge is not, oh, how am I going to convert these people? Look, you're not going to convert them. But what I was really curious about was I wanted to see if I could challenge some of their basic assumptions. So he was like, okay, well, the Bible is the biggest proof that there is a God. And I was just going to say, all right, I'm going to take that for granted. And I was to say, well, do you admit that there was a time that existed before the Bible existed, before it was collected and read and people were aware of it? And he was like, yes. Okay, I could work from that. My second question was saying, well, if there is no Bible because it doesn't yet exist, does that mean that there is no definitive proof of God? Because you said that the strongest definitive proof was the Bible. And you're like, you obviously understand the Bible has not existed forever. Therefore, no Bible. Does that now mean that there is no God? So Before the Bible. Before the Bible. So his response to that was saying, well, you know, what you would typically expect any creationist or intelligent designer person to say is that, well, look at the wonder of the universe and the world, and it must show some kind of design. Or why is there something rather than nothing? You know, to a degree, I always feel that that really religious people just missed out on having a great physics 
teacher. Teacher, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, what what did they call it in elementary? Because physics wasn't to, until high school. Before that, it was physical science. Physical science, right? Yeah. So if you had a really good physical science uh, teacher in in elementary school, you figure you'd be like, wow, science the universe, awesome. nature, yeah. woo. Well, he didn't have that. But what was really hilarious is that by the end of it, we were basically having some conversations about, well, like, for instance, why is there something rather than nothing? And I was just uh, pulling out facts from Lawrence Krauss's. uh, He had a, uh, a, a lecture on a universe coming from nothing. It's a great lecture, actually. I think you can see on the Richard Dawkins Foundation. I strongly recommend you to listen to it. But I was talking about how you know the universe is uh you know uh, electrically neutral and how you could expect that from a universe that stems from the weird quantum fluctuations that just happen you're just like well there was nothing and then a weird quantum fluctuations that create the big bang and then bam you have the universe and i was trying to explain to him saying like if that is a possible answer that you really could have something from nothing the proposition that there is a God that exists outside of the laws of the universe would indicate that the laws are not laws, that they can be superseded. Therefore, there does not need to be a lawgiver because there are no laws. It's almost a paradox. If you say that the laws of the universe are such that it would require a lawgiver, if there is a lawgiver, it means that the laws are not static because someone can exist outside those laws. That means they're not laws. They're just suggestions. And if there's suggestions, then they don't, they're not static and they don't need a creator. It's a weird paradox that fucking religious people never admonish. It's like either a law is a law or it's someone supersedes the law. I mean, every, everybody who basically is given all of these thought, given all the thought to all of these ideas of why God might not exist usually ends up becoming an atheist. <laughs> That's this is how it naturally happens. Once you fall down that hill, you just keep on rolling. Well, once you, once you decide that if you're going to have a consistent worldview that it can't be a paradox, you're going to admit that the idea that something that exists outside of nature, that somehow created it, is an unnecessary preposition. You're saying, well, if nature, if there is, like the whole first cause argument breaks down when you're saying, well, the first cause is a God that doesn't need a first cause. You're like, uh, what does that mean to first cause then? It's not necessary. Therefore, why would a God be necessary in a universe where it can supersede first cause. This is the paradox of the, uh, uh, you know, a- anthropic principle, the the part that no religious person can really answer because... They haven't thought that far ahead. They're still playing checkers. They're still, yeah. They're still playing checkers when everybody's playing Go. You know, the... Go. Go is the Japanese chess, which is infinitely more complex than chess. Well, they're still playing American checkers <laughs> while we're playing Chinese checkers, which no. is a lot more fun. Ch- well, yes, Chinese checkers is more fun because you, you can play with like six people. Yeah. It's, and that's awesome. You need it. There's so many Chinese. No <laughs> girls, though. Strangely, no girls. Can we not go down this stereotypical road, please, <laughs> for five seconds? Sure. Okay, so my point was that once I had dissolved his whole uh, anthropic principle of the universe, what is the first thing you think he sort of fell back on? Um, well, the Bible, which is... I, I can't tell you how many times I heard that line. I would make an audio compilation of how many times it just went back to, well, the Bible. And you're like, you obviously realize that even a person who says, well... You know, I've come to conclusions logically. He was like, if you look in the Bible and the Bible read correctly, you will find your answers. 
To which my response was like, well, if you look anywhere for the answers you're looking for, wouldn't you necessarily find them? I could probably find the same answers. Well, not the same answers. Different answers, but answers nonetheless in the Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition manual. Well, at least in that manner, you would have answers where you could, uh, you know, create some kind of formula and world. And take a savings throw versus apostasy. Or take a saving throw versus uh, idiocy. <laughs> Many people have failed this. I guess so it's like many an 18 people, or yeah. something like you that. You need really high wisdom, and unfortunately it seems that people have a low wisdom. Very low wisdom. Now, the, the, the thing that I got him in a bit of a quandary, and you're going to laugh because this is just... It's the seemingly most unimportant part of the New Testament. He, he was asking me about inconsistencies within the Bible, which I... Funnily enough, got him to admit which parts he thought were inconsistent. By the way, if you're ever looking for a way to kind of like throw a person in a strange conundrum whenever they talk about the Bible, is that everyone will have to admit that at some point or another they dealt with inconsistencies or, you know, theological issues with the Bible. It's inevitable. I, that, was, that was actually, when you were telling me about what you were talking to them about, the thing that I liked the most was when you said you turned it around them and you said, what did you find was the hardest thing to, uh, to come to grips with when you read this? You were like, oh, this is weird. And if you turn it around, because the general idea is when these people come in and they talk to you, talk to them, and I mean really talk to them, and ask them questions that, that challenge their beliefs. And, and if you can do that, because you were saying that your, your major goal when dealing with these people was to try and reinstall doubt into their mind. You, you, were, you were trying to seed their brain with atheistic ideas. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't atheistic ideas. One of the things that I was trying to just tell them was saying, well, I don't think you quite realize this, but even though you assume that there's a plurality of belief or a homogeny of your own belief is saying, well, we all believe in the same thing. And I said, I would venture to say that even superficially, the beliefs that you have and even the beliefs that your wife have may be different. Oh, you Did you say that? I did. Oh, you're going to ruin their marriage. <laughs> I so am. I'm evil. There are people, because you got to understand, the, the interesting thing about Jake is that there are people that he's talked to that like three years later run into him for the first time that he's like he talked to them once three years later they're like i remember you you said some stuff and i thought about it, it changed my life oh my god what's going on yeah i have those moments unfortunately i don't know why i i suppose i'm a bit of a what's the word looking for what weirdo am I? yes weirdo and I always love to challenge... You're like, you're like that guy that flashes people in the subway and they're like, what? I, can, I can never ride the subway again. It's so... so it's, Is that what I am? It's just in me. His my, penis was strange and curved to the I right. Am I flashing people? I think that's unfair, sir. There was a J shaped into his pubic hair. I don't even understand that. Okay, you've just given me an idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shave a J in my pubic hair now because you've said that. Because it sounds awesome. It sounds confusing. You know what people will think? Does no. it stand for Jesus? No, it stands for Jake. What's wrong with you? There you go. Yes, uh, I am a little bit of a... I, I do try to divide and conquer, but it was quite hilarious when the guy was trying to say, oh, no, 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 no. There is no, there is no difference in what any of our congregation believe. He was adamant about this, in mm -hmm. fact. He was saying, like, nobody who is a Jehovah Witness at our, uh, in our congregation believes in anything differently. And I think that, again, like I, I told him, I said, look... 
I'm not going to tell you that it's even in the doctrinal aspects of your religion. But because we're all individuals, there are some parts where we can say, I agree with this or I don't agree with this. And the Bible is a really huge book. You know, it's it, well, it's a series of books. It's quite large. And I'm like, there is no way that anyone's ever going to read that and agree 100% with somebody else. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. There are some parts that you might take and you could say, oh, a chapter of this, that, chapter of that, I really believe this. And a person would be like, apostate! Of course, we all have different opinions. That's why most people don't read the Bible. If they read the Bible, they'd all have different opinions. <laughs> they would all, and, and, and even when I asked him what he thought was the, the parts of the Bible that were the most inconsistent, I'm sure if we had that conversation with his wife, they would have very different conversations or different opinions about what parts were inconsistent. So if you don't agree about what parts don't seem to work best for you, then what does that tell you of the book as a whole? And what does that tell you about your belief as a whole? Like, are you, and, and this was my challenge to them. I said, how, how much intellectual integrity do you have when you have questions about this? And they're, they go either unanswered or if you have them answered, Somebody else still have those questions, even though the same answer has been presented to them. How do you deal with the fact that you don't have a homogeny of belief? And he, his answer to that is that we, we do have a homogeny of belief. And I was saying, well, even if your small congregation does, even if, you know, even if a whole bunch of other Jehovah Witnesses do, you know, one, that not every single Jehovah Witnesses will agree. And you know that, two, that almost any of the endless sects of Christianity will never, never agree, even though they may even be basing themselves on the same exact translation of the fucking Bible. Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I think we, we kind of take for granted. You look at Christianity, and Christianity is pretty loosey-goosey. you got all sorts of denominations believing all sorts of so things. So many, really. And, 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 and we've gotten to the point now in North America where we don't really give a damn who's what. Catholic, Protestant, uh, uh, like uh, the the twenty different sects. I mean, obviously the twenty thousand. Yeah, the the weird the the weirder uh, you get, the, the the stranger it becomes, and the more the more firm it becomes. So Jehovah Witnesses are kind of a, a group that, you know, I've heard stories. I've had friends that have uh, people who have been kicked out of their families because. You know, they didn't believe what everybody else believes. Oh, they, they, they dated somebody outside the religion, this and that. So the more hardcore people, you get more of that homogeny of, of, of belief than you would just with our, you know, half-assed Christian beliefs. And, uh, you know, I get that feeling from when I was reading Infidel because that they were, she was talking about Muslim belief. And she was saying basically because it's so firm, because if you believe anything outside what the group, group believes, you get basically kicked out of the group and this happens with jehovah's witnesses this happens with scientologists this happens with all all of the i'm not going to say right wing because i don't want to associate right wing, but with the with the more fundamentalist religions that uh the more fundamental you you get the more of of a of a universal belief that you get just because if you don't believe in that you're not part of the group anymore well, uh, I've I've said before that one of the one of the things that we have to understand, you know, how we describe religions as cults, and I, how often is the word cult thrown out? Right? You could say, hell, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a cult. Those people but are weird. They they are. I had aware. a girlfriend that was all into that. Weird. Dude, do you know how many girlfriends that I've had that tried to force me to go to one of those shows, and I was like, no. 
And they were like, it's so much fun. I don't want to have fun. No. I hate musicals. I don't like I hate musicals. Is there anything wrong with hating musicals? Yeah. Do you love musicals? I don't love them, but I don't hate them. Do you hate kittens? Do you hate puppy dogs and rainbows? Double rainbow, what does it mean? I don't hate puppy dogs because they're delicious. The point is, I, can I not hate? Everybody who listens to this show knows that I professionally hate for a living. That's true. That's why you come here, okay? There are certain things I'm going to hate. Part of it, part of the things that I'm going to hate is anything that has a strong cultish tendency, right? Rocky Horror Picture Show has a strong cult tendency. I will admit that it doesn't deserve the accolades it, it receives. It really doesn't. It's a terrible B-movie. You know what would be funny is if they, everybody did the same thing to Deliverance. Squeal like a pig. Wee! Everybody in the theater. <laughs> wee! Wee! Yeah, well, it could happen, but I don't want it to happen. The point is there's lots of... I mean, one one movie that I'm obsessed with, you know this, is The Room. It's like this movie by this guy called Tom Wiseau, who's this hack, hack of a director, hack of a writer, hack of an actor, hack of a producer, who did all of those four things himself in his own movie, but it has a cult following because it's so awful. Now I, I still haven't figured out why it's called the room. Uh, it, it, no one has, right? It probably because it is filmed in one set, or actually probably two sets. I'm sorry, but it's mo- probably mostly one room. <laughs> the two sets in one uh, one room. Hmm. That's not the point. The point is that even something as terrible as terrible as the room can have cultish elements to it mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i'm really distrustful of anything where people are just suddenly have strong emotions either way you're like oh this is the best thing or this is the greatest and you're like i challenge you to look at whatever it is that you're passionate about through the lens of someone who's objective aka doesn't give a shit who doesn't give a shit and uh, no one's able to do that. And until you're able to do that, I'm like, well, then your thing is either scary or I don't want no part of it because it's this overly emotional weirdo shit that you got going on. I mean, it's, and that's the same thing with Rocky Horror Picture Show or even Star Wars conventions or Scientology or Christianity. All of those things have cultish tendencies. And I'm like, has have any of you critically examined what the fuck is going on here and asked, Am I wasting my time? But, but at least at least with Rocky Horror, no one is saying that, uh, you know, this scientific discovery we should not pursue because Dr. Frankenweiner says it's bad. But that, that's it. That, that This is what I'm saying, that there's a degree of cultishness, right? There are certain elements of any belief or even, or even the tiniest thing. It could be a movie. It could be a song or whatever. And some parts of it will lead to a certain cult following. I don't quite understand what makes the difference between something that is just viewed as artistic merit or even ideological merit and those things that become cults. I don't know what those things are, but we all smell a cult when we see one. And it's just that there's, sometimes there are different elements. Now, one scary element, and this is the element that, say, Scientologists and fucking Jehovah Witnesses have, is that they're strongly exclusionary. You know, they regard anyone outside the faith as... Dangerous. Dangerous. And what Scientologists would call a suppressive person. Even with uh, Islam as well. Yeah. Again, going back to infidels. Tying right. that in, because I read the book. It's crazy <laughs> about it. Fucking Muslims. All right. But again, I mean, if, if that was one element, if you were saying, like, if you don't like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you're now an infidel, or, you know, we can't associate with you, you would say, well, that's a cultish element that is not acceptable. 
and unfortunately for certain types of belief that are that are blanketed by this the mystery of religion they're allowed to get away with the fact saying like oh yeah it's totally fine if you uh completely reject anyone who doesn't believe that uh in, you know in your your limited view of the universe doesn't believe in in the the dogma of jehovah witnesses we must totally alienate them and as soon as that is the you know, as soon as that is a part of of your belief that you shall alienate anyone that does not believe what you believe, that's some fucking evil shit, right? In a nutshell, whatever it is that you believe does not merit belief because it is fundamentally insecure about itself, dangerously insecure, where you would ruin people's lives, where you even contribute to their uh, misery just by saying, oh, well, let's make their lives a living hell because they don't believe in what we believe. No one ever, none of the girls that I ever dated made my life miserable because I didn't want to go to Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, not a strong cult. I'm sure you might have gotten into a fight or two. I just got into a fight because they all accused me of being closed-minded because of that. And although I'll admit that I'm not the most open-minded person, sometimes I just don't like musicals. Why is that so hard to fucking accept from some girls? Why? Can you ask, can you answer me this question? Why, 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 why? Why would I be able to answer that? I don't know. Women are an enigma inside a mystery <laughs> inside something else that well, is I don't mysterious. Know. Didn't you say you like musicals? Hmm? I don't mind them. I liked uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. That was pretty good. That was extremely homo. <laughs> Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> Let's go back to the Jehovah Witnesses. Before before we finish up this topic and go straight to the, uh, you know, God interview, uh, answering your questions. The one thing that the story that I got them into a tiff about, the one thing that they promised that they come back, and I was being tantalizing about that before in the podcast, saying, well, what exactly did you tell them that made them want to come back and do more research? Well, I told them that I said, well, there are certain even inconsistencies in your New Testament because trust me, anybody that you have a Bible talk about will always rely on the New Testament to try to dissuade all the strong arguments that you can have against the Old Testament. So let me tell you something. If you want to have a discussion with people about the Bible, familiarize yourself with the New Testament. You have no choice. And trust me, there's even though like Jesus makes a lot of things good, he's like four books. Don't worry about it. There's a whole bunch of ridiculous crap after that. Yeah. And the biggest Revelations about... is in the New Testament for it's God's true. sakes. It's and true. that's the dumbest book in the history of religion. If you if you were to ask Dumber any Bibli- than the Mormon Bible. If you were to ask any biblical scholar why Revelation made it, most of them say it was just sort of like tacked on right at the end because it makes no sense. Like when you look at all the effort that was put into making the Bible mostly logical and mostly con- internally consistent. Revelation is like, what the fuck is this doing here? I honestly think that they 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 purposefully included an end of days chapter because it suited their agenda. Well, it, it didn't at just time. it didn't just suit their agenda. It suited the the the, the spirit of the times. I and mean, you got to remember that apocalyptic literature very popular uh, during sort of you know the the the, the Roman I don't want to say conquest, but you know, Rome was viewed as the new uh, you know, Babylon of, of being the oppressor and so on and so forth. So that there is a strong tendency of saying the Roman Empire. And, and if you read Revelation, it's quite clear that they're talking about the Roman Empire here. The Roman Empire will fall. There will be a new world, blah, blah, blah. Revelation is a product of apocalyptic thinking at the time. Because anybody with any foresight would say, get rid of this acid trip of a book. 
because no one's going to believe that shit. But regardless, one of the things that I told them about, the, the challenge that I offered them is that there are two different accounts of what happens to Judas in the New Testament. In one account, he profits from uh, selling Jesus out. He, uh, you know, he buys a farm or whatever, and he's prosperous. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, in the you know, in his field, his guts split open and he just dies. Maybe it's like a, a biblic biblic account biblical account of biblical a biblical account of appendicitis. <laughs> that was the worst. I, I like even... bibliptic. Well, so you like it. It's, it's retarded. It's my new word. Fine. In the second account, Judas feels absolutely guilty of what he's done, and he hangs himself. Now, the problem with these two stories are not only that they conflict, is that the moral, the allegory of those two stories are entirely different. In one, it is God you know, sort of like seeking his vengeance over Judas's betrayal. And in the other, it is one of sort of like personal responsibility and atonement of guilt, so on and so forth. These are different stories. My challenge to them was like, explain to me why these stories are not only different in their description, but different in their message. They could not answer this question. So they asked if they could go back and do research. And then come back, which gave me the opportunity to do a little bit more research about their version of the Bible, which is the New World Translation, which is what most Jehovah Witnesses used. And the New World Translation is a, it was probably one of the most recent translations of the Bible. It was, uh, it was finished in about 1961. And it was the Jehovah Witnesses attempt to kind of go back and look at some of the older Greek writings and, and that, so on and so forth. And, and, and try to provide their own translation and try to provide answers to some of the major problems that you have in the King James Version or any of the other versions, which are some of the more fantastical elements. They include, like, every time God is mentioned, they just replace it with Jehovah. So it's like Jehovah, 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 Jehovah. Mm -hmm. So they never use Lord or whatever. I think Jehovah's introduced, like, something like 300 times or something like that in the entirety of the book. There are some passages that are completely and utterly changed. You know the whole, uh, the world rests on pillars? Yeah, they got rid of that. Uh, I think the New World Translation also got rid of unicorns and, and the Leviathan, although I'm not completely sure about the Leviathan and the unicorn bit. But it is, it, is a, it is an attempt to make it seem more reasonable and a less, you know, allegorical, which yeah. is what how most, you know, of the Bible definitely should be interpreted as allegorical. If you take that literally, you're an idiot. Do you Bibli take... Bibli-pacical. bibli you Are you making more words? I am. Bad Ryan, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to hit you with the nose of the newspaper. I'm making English. <laughs> so it gave me the opportunity by talking to them uh, to sort of like look into the New World Translation to familiarize myself with it because you know what the truth be told anytime you have a conversation with a person that's religious you need to know what they have based their beliefs on and it's not all this king james you know i got lazy man i got lazy there are lots of translations things that i have to familiarize myself with because i don't want to just talk to them and just spew out the same old arguments i invited them specifically for them to challenge me 
and they did, and they 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 found some port some 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 points that I was not entirely aware of. I did not know their translations. Ironically enough, neither neither did they. They were they didn't even know the name. They didn't know what of version the of the Bible theirs was. They didn't. I mean, the guy who came over to talk to me, he was, uh, you know, he's probably in his fifties. I'm like, you are aware that. You know, I didn't know this, but I, I would have mentioned it saying, like, this translation is younger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just want to put that out there, you know? Uh, and, and the fact that it was copywritten in 1984 is, is another aspect of it. But you're just saying, like, you know, because when he came over, he says, this translation is the best translation according to scholars or whatever. So I, I tried to do a little research of finding out, well, is that true? And what do most scholars think about this version of the Bible? And I, and I didn't do it to suddenly say, oh, I'm going to disprove this version to you again. I'm not talking to these people thinking I'm going to fucking convert them. I want to know what they think. I want to know how they create their schema, their view of the world. And if his schema was based on the New World Translation... I should be more familiar with that version, shouldn't I? He ba- this man based his whole fucking world on it. I'm having a conversation with him, and he's sort of like trying to say that this book is the most accurate book in the history of mankind. I mean, forget the fact that he's completely delusional. You just have to sort of say, well, from your perspective, how do you have to view this book to believe that? That's a pretty nutty thing. I mean, imagine somebody came over to you and said that the comic book The Watchmen is the greatest work known to man and incorporates all truths for all time. You would kind of be curious as to how he came to that conclusion, right? I know some people who base their lives on being a Jedi. Who? Who do you know that does this? Oh, stupid people. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Stupid people compared to whom? Stupid people compared to the rest of society. Oh, that's not fair. Maybe not as bad as... I don't think there's... See, in your, they, they may not be stupid. They may just be really, you know really what, You know what? The good thing about it is they're generally more harmless than most religious people. Well, I, I would, I would, I would but, say but, that... But truth be told, uh, when they spiral into depression about the lameness of their lives, I don't think being a Jedi pulls them out of it like believing in the infinite wisdom of Jesus and God. Well, there's definitely a smaller support network. I would put that there. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 slightly smaller. Mm. Okay. You know what? Uh, let's move on to the uh, interview that we have. Absolutely. Everybody's been. Uh, we've got lots of comments. Unfortunately, God is a very busy man. Only has time for three, or are you three doing... of them. Three. Mag- three ma- of magic them. number. He's like a genie. I know. <laughs> but you, you know, we're gonna we're gonna feature this on plenty of uh, bonus shows. Not all of them. But every once in a while, when you see that I post up a, on either Facebook or The Good Atheist saying, ask your questions to God, if you love this God segment, do yourself a favor. Stay tuned to my announcements. Get ready to ask you your questions. You never know where God will appear. What, you know, he could, be, he could be in the form of toast. He could be in the form of, uh, I don't know, something weird sticking out of a tree that might look like a penis but also might look like God. Sometimes he will answer questions as well. He's in the form of the Good Atheist podcast. We don't know why, but this is what happens. He's the only one. Uh, he, this is the only podcast to feature God for yeah. some weird reason. Yeah. Let's turn it over to God. Here we go. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Harkness, and once again, joining me, it's very special guest, God. Yes, I'm present. Feel honored. 
Yes, always an honor. So, God, we got some questions from readers. You don't mind uh, these people. I know that typically you're used to getting stuff like this when people put their hands together and, I don't know, beam their thoughts out into space. Where exactly are you? Uh, I'm in Detroit right now. It's, mm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just watching this place fall apart. It's fucking awesome. Okay, McTafferty asks, how do I know which religion is the right religion? They are all the wrong ones. And it's up to you to find the right one, or you burn in hell. Good luck! Okay, well, that's great. Okay, Reverend Clint asks, Why should I believe in the Christian God when Thor has a sweet hammer and Zeus has awesome lightning bolts? These are weapons of pagan idolaters that have no real skills. God created the universe, okay? And that's me. So, what does Thor have that I don't have? I can make a hammer. I can throw some lightning bolts. Do you want me to do that right now? Unbelievable. I mean, it's just a gimmick. It's fucking gimmick. Okay, Akupara asks, I'm currently thinking of a question. If you're truly omniscient, what is the correct answer? The answer is, why am I so pathetic? That's what you're thinking right now. Why am I so pathetic? I can tell you why you're pathetic, because I made you that way. I made you to be pathetic because I enjoy watching you fail. Keep failing, loser. Sinister asks, why are my testicles dangling in a sack between my legs? That doesn't seem like an intelligent design. It's kind of my way to make sure that you injure yourself and hurt yourself doing things as basic as sitting down. I wanted to make sure that this sensitive area would be exposed to all the elements. And uh, I think I've succeeded in making it very painful and highly awkward. Would you not agree? Chocobar asked, why are you always watching me? Can't I get a little me time? You don't have any you time. I own your ass. All of you is mine. I get to do with it. You're like my toys, okay? Except for that I'm so powerful, I can watch my toys all the time and what they're doing. And I see you spanking it, and I'm not happy about that. We're gonna have a nice chat, you and I, about all your fucking spanking. Tom asks, why do you damn atheists to hell for honest unbelief and apparently not damn charlatan believers like Jerry Falwell? I just don't like atheists. They think that they're all smart and up to date on stuff and really have powerful arguments. I really don't like the fact that they have powerful arguments against my existence. It makes everything more confusing. Therefore, I make sure that they uh, suffer forever in a lake of fire. I think that's fair. What about Jerry Falwell? Why does he get a pass? Because he keeps on making me money. And as hard as it is for you to believe as to, you know, why would God need money, none of your fucking business is why. I just like money, and Jerry makes me money. Okay, Aaron asks, why are you such a flip-flopper? In the Old Testament, you were all about sacrifice, even human sacrifice. Now, no dice or Christmas trees. You used to forbid them. Now your followers think you're A-OK -okay with them. What gives? Well, I was actually thinking the other day that I definitely don't have enough sacrifices happening. Number one, I can't tell you why they stopped murdering small animals for me. I liked it, you know? They would just kill something, spread its blood all over the place, burn its fat, and then they'd eat whatever fucking remains there were. But it was all for me, and it was these ridiculous presents happening all the time, and I loved it, and they just stopped. Then they said, oh, you came down to Earth and you bled for us, therefore we're done. And I said, no, you're not done. I was just getting started. I said, hey, you stopped sacrificing humans. Let me go down there. I'm going to restart this trend. Let's get this sucker going, right? Totally look at it the wrong way. I mean, it's just unbelievable. 
I want, if anything, I want more sacrifices, including Christmas trees. That's what I love about it. I mean, you're cutting down a tree for one day. It's monstrous. I love it. Okay, well, that's all the questions we got, so I guess we'll let you go, God. I imagine you have more horrible torment and hell on Earth to uh, continue manufacturing. Well, you know, I have a cheese sandwich to appear in about... Seven later on tonight, and I'm also scheduled for a gigantic earthquake that kills 30,000 people. It's a busy day. God's a busy man. Okay, well, I'll let you get to that. Thanks again, God, and thanks to everybody who asked these questions. Curse you to hell! Welcome back, everybody. All right, I hope you enjoyed uh, the latest interview with God, a feature that we're going to hope to bring on periodically. Uh, to try to entice people. Well, you to know, God listen. is very busy making human suffering possible. He is he is, a, he is in demand. Let's just say, you know, it's an honor that we get to interview him. But uh, you know, I had to pull a few strings. Apparently, I'm definitely going to hell. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the company while I'm there, though. It's a pretty rocking company. I'll tell you what. Well, okay, there are a few bad eggs. Couple bad eggs. No, it's a good thing that hell doesn't exist, and just you could just lay it out like that. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. I admit it. It's a good thing. But let me just put it out there. Let me put this out there. At least you get to live forever <laughs> in agony. Hmm. All right. Maybe we don't want that. Um, for the second part of the show, there are two things I wanted to talk about. One is I wanted to finish up the discussion that we were starting to have in the first part about the, uh, I can't even pronounce her name. What's her name again? The book Infidel by Ian Hershiali. Ian Hershiali, thank you. And uh, also we're going to talk about the atheist who hung himself, and I'm using air quotes here because you can't see, in the uh, Maldives very, very recently. But first, okay, you, uh, you finished reading Infidel. The book, for those who are not familiar with it, is the life story of uh, of this woman, and basically, as she travels to different parts of Africa and the Middle East, it's it's the story of her growing, growing up as a Muslim uh, in certain areas of Africa, and she also lived in uh, Saudi Arabia briefly, and she got to experience well, you know, uh, growing up as a Muslim in a Muslim in Muslim societies. She got to. She got. A, she got an Eiffel. Let's 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 just put it. Yeah, that way. It, it's basically you you get you get a. Uh, you get to experience through her eyes how she grew up as a Muslim and how how that how that whole thing played out, and it was really interesting because, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it's like I think it's probably one of the most important books an atheist can read to kind of try and understand uh, the viewpoint of of uh, of an Islamic person. Well, I think that and the societies that they come from and why things are. I mean, it's important, especially for when we're talking about the Maldives to understand the societal pressure and to understand the kind of situation you have where you're in a country that is extremely Islamic and uh, you decide that uh, that doesn't really fit. Well, that's the, I agree with you 100% on that. If not only because uh, so many atheist books out there right now are just kind of like, you know, you deal with the same familiar arguments, sometimes presented in new ways. Sometimes these ways are novel and we appreciate them. You know, a good book about arguments against God and that kind of stuff. That's always enjoyable, at least in my neck of the woods. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, it's a little bit limited when you're, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, not being able to experience what life is like for other religious individuals. You know, we don't, 
uh, I don't know about you guys that are listening, but uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before. I was never a believer, so the idea of living through the eyes of both a former believer and now, you know, uh, essentially like a, a pretty hardcore atheist, at least definitely as hardcore as me, is a really interesting transition how a person gets to that point. I never had to make that choice, never had to make those leaps. It, I find it eternally, uh, you know, rewarding and interesting every time I get to read about another person's apostasy. They're moving away from a religion. Just saying, I don't believe in this shit anymore. Or just seeing like the inside story. I got another book called Waiting for the Apocalypse. I don't know what the uh, the author's name is or the specific sect. I think it was like a really uh, strict Catholicism uh, that she followed. And just reading that book about uh, her crazy, strict religious upbringing in America. That's that's an, like any of those books. Those are the, it's becoming a big favorite of mine. Reading books about atheists who used to be part of crazy religious uh, groups because every single time you come out of it going holy crap i know you really don't believe that any of this stuff is happening you know you just you think it's all satire just some fucking bad joke but no man it is real it is out there it's affecting people's lives i mean, I mean the the interesting thing about infidel is that it starts you know the, the first two third, thirds of the book go through, you know, her upbringing and the things that happen to her uh, as a woman in these societies and how, you know, she gets she gets beaten and... Infabulated. Uh, oh, Infabulated? God. That's basically one of the words for uh, female circumcision. Oh, excision. Yeah. Ugh. Excised. Excised. Yeah, yeah they, t- yeah, they talk about when they, yeah, when they, when they circumcised her, like, and all of her sisters and... Uh, yeah, all, all sorts of horrible stories about the mistreatment that she had and the, the, the way that the society worked and how you weren't really, if you were out without a male accompanying you, it, it, it's really weird. They, everybody just treated you like garbage. And it, it goes from that, from her own personal experiences. Then she, when she goes to Holland and she st- gets involved with politics and she tries to fight... Uh, there's there's a big problem in Holland right now with immigration. It kind of hit that boiling point. What was it, 2005 when Theo van Gogh died? Anyway, uh, when when all that was happening, she was basically pushing in politics, saying that there's a real problem with Muslim immigration. These Muslims are not uh, integrating into society. And and if you look at the statistics of what's going on, you'll see that. Muslims are systematically beating women, mistreating women, and and just acting basically outside the law because of their religious beliefs. Well, so. it's one thing that I thought was really fascinating too about the book is that the first assumption you're going to make is that oh, this person's an infidel. They never really gave religion a chance, and that's the great thing. Why you need to read all these books is that you'll find that everyone gave it a really good chance. You know, she talks herself about getting really into it. Uh, you know, starting to become, to dress even more conservatively than was required of her, uh, and really kind of falling for the, the the whole shtick that she saw something there, but that over time, it's just, you know, questions that were unanswered, problems that seemed apparent, and and just the, 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 the humanness of it all, you know, like the fact that there's no real, this whole business of, the, you know, the word of God is in here. You're just like, what are you talking about? It's just some people making shit up. Well, over there, it's a, it's everything is done and viewed through the through the through the, the lens spe- of, through the of, lens of religion. religion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, 
how did you feel by the end of it? I mean, you said before that you're almost you're almost worried that it had turned you a little bit into a racist or something. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I've talked about it many times on the radio show. When you're dealing with uh, with Islam and Muslims and stuff like that, you have to be careful because it's easy to cross that line from just saying I I hate that religion uh, to all of a sudden getting into some some pretty racist stuff and it, it's it's difficult to be able to determine where that line is and I always struggle with it and this book is one of those books where you read it and you say well you know statistically there's a lot of truth behind uh, a lot of ideas that that would normally be considered one of the one of the big things that she was pushing was was the fact that all of the politicians in Holland didn't want to deal with the issue because they felt that they were being racist about it and politically incorrect and she was able to come in as a Muslim immigrant and say the things that she felt needed to be said that she felt were, was backed up by facts and statistics and and make a difference about it so it, everybody everybody is afraid to be uh, of being viewed as a racist and you know to some degree i kind of understand that because you know there's social stigmas and there everybody will look at you negatively i mean i see it all the time if if a person let's say pat condal i don't know if you know who he is he does a lot yeah. of atheist youtube rants he's quite popular uh, so if he does something and he criticizes Islam, there will always be a certain amount of comments from atheists saying that you're being intolerant and so on and so forth. You know, they'll, they'll be that view because, again, through their eyes, through their lens, they're saying, well, if you're criticizing that, you're criticizing, you know, a, a particular minority. But I would like to remind everybody for just five seconds that be because you have a problem with, with Islam does not necessarily mean that you're a fucking racist, okay? I'm sick and tired of that perception. Islam is not a race. I'm sure that I, I know that there's a lot of confusion there because as soon as you see someone who is, you know, say, uh, uh, darker skin colored with a beard, there are certain kind of assumptions that you make because... I mean, just watch any movie or... <laughs> who are the bad guys, usually, right? Who are the bad guys? Used to be the Ruskies, but now it's like bad people with beards. So, yeah, you can be a little confused once in a while, but you, you can still recognize the elf in the room here. You're just... Are you going to choose to ignore what's going on because you said, I don't want to be perceived as a racist, burr, burr, burr. Well, you know what? you got to take that chance once in a while if you speak your fucking mind. And if you're going to be uh, honest as an atheist and you look at all religion and you say all religions are bad, and I think we, we agree and we, as an atheist, we generally say religion is bad, but I mean, Islam is worse than all the rest. And it's not, it's not just because it comes from... from a very tribal time and it's still stuck in that it just has I mean even compared to the Bible which has some whoppers I mean uh, the Quran it has some really worrisome stuff in there and it's it's just bad news I think the most worrisome thing about it is that anytime you have a religion that's open to interpretation you have a language ancient Arabic which is open to a lot of interpretation just the mechanics of the language that means that anything that you read could be interpreted in three completely different ways that's the danger, the interpretive danger. And plus, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that there was a great, uh, you know, that it was really fantastic that the, that the Catholic Church was a fairly powerful institution that tried to control its own dogma because that has its own problems, right? Hello, Inquisition. Mm -hmm. But to some degree, when you at least have some form of authority there, you have a group of individuals that are trying to control the narrative of what the religion believes. And over time... You can try to, to, to basically make it more civilized. It takes time, all right? We've witnessed... How long did it take, you know? It's still not even over. It's still going on. They're still acting like barbarians all over the fucking place. But then when you look at their counterpart, Islam, which still seems to be going through this reformation where they're 
killing each other all the time. I mean, make no mistake, even the bombings in uh, England were aimed primarily at Muslim districts, who many of the fundamentalists had viewed moderate Muslims as the fucking enemy. You know, they, they, there is a war, a reformation going on right now in that in that religion, and, and, and everything else is a fucking, you know, collateral damage. And unfortunately, dummies that we are, we decided to get involved in this. <laughs> And now it's a fucking quagmire. But the situation is bad. It's so, it's so particularly bad because the one thing that's very insidious about this religion is that it, it says, well, you cannot separate any aspect of your life from it. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's like the anti-separation uh, of church yeah, and state. It's anti-secularism to the fucking core. I mean, there are laws, everything. I mean, even most... It, like, you will not find any Christian that can tell you accurately what a Christian law is. I mean, they can try to go back to the Old Testament or even sort of the Ten Commandments, and they can try to base themselves on that, but they always use the word base. We'll base it on that. Yeah, Sharia law doesn't have this problem, okay? It doesn't need to base it. It's got plenty of legal precedents to describe exactly what you're supposed to do in disgusting detail. <laughs> and uh, what's the punishment for breaking any of these laws? Usually death. Yep. Usually death. Okay, speaking of death, let's talk about a certain tragedy here uh, that's been grating on me. Now, I, I was waiting for this news to kind of break out a little bit more because the truth is you can't find a lot of news about this. I mean, bbcnews.com covered it, and that's about it. I was looking everywhere else to find out if there were any news reports that could give me more details. Basically, what happened is that there's, uh, there's a kid in the, in the Maldives. His name is... Uh, What's his name? Ismail Mohammed Didi. Uh, he basically apparently killed himself, hung himself at work. Where he's an air control traffic uh, technician. So he kills himself apparently because he's depressed that his workplace was about to investigate him for apostasy. It, it, it is a law in that country that you have to be a Sunni Muslim. You have to be. Right? There are, the last time somebody came out and said they didn't believe, they were threatening him with death unless he recanted, which, of course, what do you think he did? Hmm? Uh, they, they put, yeah, they put him in jail, and then he went on television, on television to say, I am recanting, recanting God. <laughs> I'm, go I'm back with God. Yeah, what Please don't would, stone me. <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? But the thing that I find sort of like very strange about you know, the whole story is the fact that, number one, uh, we already know what the what kind of crime there is for apostasy. And, and for this business of him being so depressed because people had turned away from him that, uh, and, and, and that offered as an explanation, there are no details of what went down. Yeah, okay, this is just the explanation that we've been given. This, this is basically what we know about it, is that he let it slip to, to a co-worker that he didn't believe in God, and then it just got all over the it place, out everywhere. His family found out about it. Workers found out about it. He got uh, referred to the what was it, the Muslim Inquiry Center, where they where they look into that kind of thing, and they were talking <laughs> about bringing charges against him. So he started writing letters to uh, international organizations saying, I, "I need to get out of here." Uh, that was a month ago. It was like mid June. Now in July, he hangs quote unquote hangs himself. Yeah. At, at work, which to me just seems... I Who know. hangs themselves at work? I was talking about that before. I said, hmm, let's see. Usually, uh, unless you're trying to make a, a, a statement, people kill themselves in private. And from nothing that we've read from the article or heard, 
did it, was this person interested in making a message, it seemed. They just want to get the fuck out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they hang themselves at work? I, I got to say, you know, like, I, I had a couple red flags. I was disappointed that the rest of the atheist blogosphere did not really jump on this whole thing and well, saying, they're, they're... What, are, what are, what is going on? Like, Friendly Atheist was just saying, oh, it's a shame, it's a shame. I'm like, dude, wake up, wake the fuck up. You think this is just him being depressed? Are you really that naive? Come on now. Well, the whole thing is they all probably take themselves a bit more seriously as news sources, so they, they can't just jump on the conspiracy wagon theory and say uh, he was murdered. Well, I, Which that, is, I imagine, what you're basically saying. Well, I'm not saying this. This is why I was trying to wait to see if there were more. There was going to be more news about it. But like anything else, it's just that's what's got covered, and that's it. That's all you're going to fucking hear about this. Yeah, the, the, the most news that you can find, uh, the, the big question from the Maldives as to what, to what to do about this guy is whether or not they should be burying him with other Muslims because he's... A nasty, disgusting apostate, and we don't want to bury him right. with they, everybody else. It so sounds like a thorough what, investigation. They, they're is figuring happening. out whether or not they're just going to load him into a catapult and fire him over the border or something like that because he's disgusting. That's that's what their that's what their concern is right now is what to do with this body. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, again, I hate to do the whole oh this is a conspiracy, but I I smell something rotten in the Maldives. Or dives, excuse me. I keep saying it. In well, this French. is this is this is my problem, and this is why I don't want to make any uh, make uh, uh, to to take it. To, to, uh, it would be it would be an uninformed guess because I don't know anything about the situation in the Maldives. You know, uh, reading Infidel, it gives you it gives you some some you know on the ground uh, an on the ground view of how these societies work uh, in certain countries. And you know, if the Maldives is like other extremely strict. Muslim countries. One where they need to enforce it by law? Yeah, if if it's a country and other countries where they're willing to arrest you and potentially put you to death, it isn't far-fetched to imagine if you were an apostate that like 10 guys will bust through your door one day, put a noose around your neck and throw you out the window. It's not, this is not far-fetched. No, we, we, we can imagine that the same people who do this to their own daughters may not have that big of a problem doing it to someone that they regard as an enemy of God. Look, again, like I said, oh, do we really need to be this naive? Well, I they, mean, I want more fucking information. If this is a suicide, I gotta tell you, it don't smell like a suicide to me. So can you explain to me, other than the fact that he was depressed, that his co-workers and his friends were no longer talking to him, I would be more than depressed if I was in an Islamic country that had basically threatened the last atheist with death. Okay? I'd be a little bit more depressed, especially when no one is heeding my call of me wanting to get the fuck out of Dodge. What the hell happened there? Who dropped that ball? Oh, you gotta understand, like, people fall through the cracks all the time like that. And, uh, I mean, a big thing about it, and you know this, being in the atheist scene for this long, is what are you supposed to do? Are you gonna rage against the machine every time an Islamic country kills someone for not believing? Because that would be all you'd be doing. It's it's a mess over there, and we just we understand that. And what can we do but say this sucks? Well, that's kind of all we do. It's, you what, and I. it's, it's, <laughs> it's what, we, what we do. What we say about the bonus show is that you can go back and you get like how many bonus shows? Because trust me, religion ain't changing. <laughs> all that stuff from two years ago is just as relevant today yeah, because not nothing really, has changed. It's not really news so much as they're just topics of conversation that bring us to the same point where we're always going to go back. Mm. And I feel, you know, to some degree, we're like, are we going to repeat ourselves? 
fuck, we have no choice, man. Like, to some degree, people who listen to this show, they're just like, I need to vent, and I need to feel that it's going to be okay. Because it's not. It's not going to be okay. This ain't fucking okay, man. I think it's important that at the very least, you know, we talk about it and we get upset about it because it's something worth being upset about. Well, I am fucking upset about it. I don't like it at all. I want to hear more news coming out of this. Before I start throwing around, like, the, you know, wild accusations, which they just did, but luckily we don't take ourselves too seriously... I just want more information, and we're not going to get it. And, well, what? Do you, who do you, uh, who, who's who's going to who's going to investigate this? Well, that's the problem. Who exactly. is going to investigate this? Nobody. Yeah. I feel to some degree that how many more cases like this? How many more you know dead young kids in their twenties? Dude, an, an, fucking an, ended. An endless amount. Islamic re- reformation is not going to be pretty. It is not. We already seen it. It's already pretty ugly. How many wars? Horrible terrorism. Yeah, but they like to tell you that the, they're they're a religion of peace, though. Mm. Prove it. You've never proved it before. Yeah. All you've proven is how ridiculously violent and intolerant you are. It's surprising. I mean, you you find ways to surprise me with your intolerance on an almost daily basis. So congratulations, religion, on surprising me forever. I will always be disgusted by you. Okay, I think that wraps up the bonus show. We'd like to thank everybody who's a paying member, all you new uh, people. We got quite a few. We got a nice push from uh, episode 100. I think that was a positive reaction to all the new things that we're fucking trying for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to stay, again, you know, some of the some of the criticisms criticisms before were like, oh, try to stay a little bit more on topic. So we're, we're working on that, picking our topics, deciding what it's going to be like. I mean, it'll still have that fun you know, move anywhere, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to be more professional all the time, so we're going to keep on improving. Yeah, I think we pretty much hit the limits of what we can do just effing around. <laughs> right, we're trying, to, we're trying to eff around in a more professional way now. Mm-hmm. That's our little So thing. you can enjoy the effing a lot more. Exactly. Okay, well, with that, my name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Ryan Harkness. Have a good Atheist Day, everybody.